Greetings, fellow slingers. This is Brian. And this is Koosh of Roll the Hard 20 Podcast. Welcome to our little side show we'd like to call Rolling for 20, where we discuss some of our favorite topics, both in-game and out-of-game, for our favorite tabletop role-playing game, Dungeons & Dragons. As a topic today, I think uh, what we're going to be talking about is what is the best starting level for a campaign? Uh, I initially thought there wasn't going to be much discussion here, but before we even got into it, we already disagreed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, is there is there really an opinion or is there a validation for starting a level off at first level? Um, I think I think it's borderline like a validation, but I can see your I think you're arguing for three, right? Uh, or third, I should say. Um, but, f- you know, first level is really the start of a character's story, right? At first level, they're not really... They're not a hero or really an adventurer yet. They're kind of just starting off. And that's true. Um, but as far as, like, when you're going into first level, it's almost more of a, a narrative playthrough because by the time you do anything remotely spectacular, you're already moving into your second level at that point. That's true. Um, but I also think a big part of it is, uh, a lot of people don't really come to grips with what their character is until they start playing. And I think those first two levels are pretty key to really getting a feel of them before they get into the third level by which most of the classes have like come into their own. You've like sort of, uh, you've picked your like subclass by that point and you've kind of move you've really steered your character towards something but wouldn't your backstory denote what you would be at third level without having to go through the first two levels themselves uh yeah i mean there's a lot that your backstory defines about you but for that, example that's providing that the dm will actually adhere to your backstory or, to, or you know, read it at all yeah that's true or that uh or that you yourself are part of the backstory sometimes people will put together a backstory just so they could say they have one, and then they they go completely off their own script. You know, they go uh. they go away from it. Like somebody might be a paladin, but then you'll see them compromising themselves in certain situations, and then uh-huh. they're just trying to get the benefits of being a paladin without actually being a paladin. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but it's funny that you mentioned paladins right now because my character, I'm not really sure what oath they are going to take yet, uh, and they are a paladin. But they've got to take an oath at some point in time, and I think these first two levels are going to help me a lot in picking that uh, oath. Well, I've studied your backstory, so <laughs> it's going to be it's going to play in, and I I'm glad you did write a very good convincing backstory as well. And we did start off this campaign at first level. Um, that's only because I didn't I wanted to get the full longevity out of these characters because I've always mm-hmm. considered the sweet spot to be between levels three and seven. Anything above seven, I think people get to be a little more too power, get to be too powerful at that point. Mm-hmm. Anything below third level, they're just their tensile strength is just really weak. Mm. No, I, you, know, I you almost totally got to put them up you. against something like an alley cat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. But so I mean, I think that's another point for, and you might disagree here, but I think it's another point for levels one through three. That's like the best time to scare your players. Uh, that is probably the most likely time that they will die, or at least feel like they will die. And I was concerned, like, when I ran you through that encounter the other night when your group fought those bandits that were 
that were accosting that elderly man, Edinger, uh-huh. I, I was concerned that they would walk all over you. And in turn, you guys walked all over them. But that's because <laughs> I, I homebrewed them. I nerfed them down so much that I was <laughs> afraid that they would actually take their pound of flesh from you guys. And I didn't want that to be the case. I mean, yeah, it depends which way the dice rolls, right? I think there was one where we tried to hit them four or five times. We missed every single time. Yeah, and their AC was really low, too. I, I think their <laughs> I AC was like 12 or 13 or something like that. Yeah, I could tell it was quite low. Um, and, you know, it just it takes a few bad dice rolls, and before you know it, like, your first level character is dead. <laughs> but that would also segue into what kind of monsters would you throw at your first level character? Ooh, ah, uh, let's see. I mean, beyond just a, a thug or a bandit, I mean, you have the, the trope of the goblin, which I despise immensely. I like goblins because I kind of run a little bit of a, not a very serious game when I do run one. With the goblins, or uh, just a game? Uh, a game in general, actually. Oh, okay. uh, I, I usually keep it fairly lighthearted, and I think goblins are a great way to set that tone. Uh just because of uh, a lot of sort of pop culture stuff going on right now with goblins, they're kind of um, they're kind of uh, comedic relief in a lot of sort of franchises, and so being uh, taking that and pulling it into your game like immediately sets the tone. Like, okay, this we could technically die, but we're going to die to these very little small things, and it will be very sad, maybe a little funny if we were to. Well, even Pathfinder kind of. Um, catered to that where they were of a comedic sense where they kind of sang and danced uh-huh. but they were also a, a very real threat as well I mean they were running around with, with edged weapons and trying to kill the heroes at their starting level of the Rise of the Runes Rise of the Rune Lords campaign oh yeah no goblins are always in this weird space because even D&D they're pretty ruthless and pretty terrifying creatures because they i think they i i feel like it's implied that they could like eat people and that's probably pretty terrifying yeah, for I a first level that level was character. their their original motif was that they would eat people and i i thought that they were bigger than what they are oh really i didn't, I didn't realize that they were so small I'd, I'd have to go back through my older edition books but i could have swore that they were they were bigger creatures and that they they posed more of a threat so did you like them back when you thought that they were yeah, bigger? Yeah, I did. I did. Okay. I did. When when they got kind of reduced in size, or maybe that's just the size they've always been, kind of like how Twinkies are, I thought they were bigger, and now <laughs> that Twinkies are not as big as I they think, used I think to be. you've gotten bigger since yeah. the first my time hands, you had a Twinkie. Yeah, my hands might have gotten a little bit bigger, but um, I, I considered them to be more of a threat back then, and uh-huh. something that was more of a, of a staple to throw at people. Yeah. And this is back in the editions before I used miniatures. So there was no uh, size comparison between a heroic figure and the monster that it fought. It was just uh-huh. all theater of the mind at the time. So, okay. So it looks like the size is a little bit of the factor. Is it also a little bit of... You've, you've gotten to play quite a bit. Is it is a little bit of you're like kind of tired of just seeing goblins? I think so. I think that almost, for me anyways, almost every campaign or adventure path along the line starts off with you coming across a king's road or something where there's a a ambush waiting for you that's just a bunch of goblins hiding out or there's goblins (laughs) that are going to raid a town or a village and it's like okay i'm a little 
beyond that. I, I almost prefer like to have a bunch of wild jackals or something like that that are being controlled by somebody else or just maybe reskin the goblins and not call them that. Oh, okay. No, I think, uh, I mean, you've hit a point based solely on um, Lost Minds of Fandelver. Are you familiar with that? That's like the intro path for D&D. Yeah, I am vaguely aware. I'm, I've always been one to run my own homebrews, though. I oh, like yeah. To, I like to re- reference resource materials like that so I can get I can glean ideas and see what, what would work in my campaign or even take their maps and, and restructure their maps and stuff. But I don't think I really delved into Fandelvers. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't go too far into it either, but... The situation you just described is actually how that campaign starts. You are on a quest for um, uh, the patroness, a dwarf. His name is like Rock Beard or something, something, something along those lines. And you're on your path to a town that he's told you to go to. And halfway on the path, you are ambushed by goblins. That is the the exact introduction that they uh, wizards wanted to give. Uh, players for their first foray into Dungeons and Dragons, and I think now as, as your first foray into Dungeons and Dragons, and you're walking down this road and you're ambushed by goblins, uh-huh. your first level, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, if you started off at third level, you could not. You could now, not, couldn't those? You could be, not use goblins. Those whatsoever. could be changed out for something a little more meaty. They right? would have to see that would be. Otherwise, you'd just be wiping the road with their asses, <laughs> literally. Yeah, I think it would. Are Knowles strong enough? I think Knowles would I be think a Knowles, good choice. Yeah, I've always... That's why one of the times that I've always started off a campaign at third level, I try to introduce Knowles because they're like the level three introduction, introductory monster right there. So I also love Knowles because they're like kind of... Um, what's the best way to say it? They're kind of uh, unnerving, right? Because they're based off like hyenas. And so, like, being, like, surrounded by this pack of maybe laughing, maniacally group of monsters is probably pretty unnerving for characters. Yeah, I mean, when, we, when we're playing the game and we set the miniatures out and we've got our, our player character sheets and everything and you come up across a pack of gnolls and you're like, okay, I draw my sword. But if you were to actually envision being there and you see these canine looking beasts that are standing upright with these sharpened bloody meat packed teeth wielding weapons (laughs) and they want a piece of you it's like that would be hugely unnerving i mean a pack of wild dobermans would would make you scared now imagine these dobermans are on their hind legs swinging a a long sword as well you know or a flailing a mace about yeah and they're taller than you generally right i think i don't remember i don't know they're probably like Six nine or something like that. Yeah, so I'd like have to they're, look at their stats, but taller than the, the the general adventurer. So as a first level character, you would not fight a no. That's true. So I mean, yeah, if you start at third level, I guess you can you can throw a little bit of a scarier kind of unnerving encounter against players. But I mean, what other? I'm wondering what other benefits you see in uh, starting at third level, other than just the initial encounters. Uh, I think starting at third level kind of harkens back to some of my, I know everybody may not enjoy this, but playing fourth edition, which initially I didn't like fourth edition either because of this, but it seemed like their first uh, first level characters were a little more beefier. Oh, they really? Could, they could take a, a, a few more hits than 
like a normal first level character. Mm-hmm. And at third level in fifth edition, you have a few more hit points than you would at first level, obviously. Uh-huh. So you could almost move through a combat without feeling that you had to nerf the combat. Otherwise, you'd kill the PC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, I get that too. Plus, uh, you're able to deliver a little bit more at times too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to jump off that, third level characters are sort of, they're kind of Turing complete, right? At a level one warlock does not feel very much like a warlock. You're kind of just shooting Eldritch Blast every turn, and then you're you're done. You don't have like any of these things that make it feel like you made a deal with your patron. You don't really get to feel like a warlock until a few levels after that. Well, even a barbarian doesn't have what they require. Yeah, I, I, I they don't they even get, rage, right? I think they rage, but they don't get reckless. Oh, they don't get a reckless attack. Yeah, until that's second pre- level. That, that's pretty big. Um, I know paladins get nearly nothing. They get uh they get to attack and then they get five points of healing with lay on hands. So they're basically like a worse fighter, basically. And there's nothing very paladin like about them. You could probably go on with like every class in regards to that. Well, as a jumping off point from there, what kind of adventures would you put your first level character on? Oof. So the classic thing that people tend to do is sort of they make them do odd jobs, like escort this thing from here to here and do, you know, fetch this thing for me. And that's really not the the best way of going about it. Well, it's not really a, a free thinking decision. You're almost yeah. quested to do something. Yeah, so exactly. That's, that's basically how you get your experience to move up to the next level. Yeah. Um, generally, what I do is I create some sort of inciting incident and let the players decide what they want to do based around that uh that way they at least get some sort of agency because they can't really do anything that's their first level they can't really do anything of much meaning they're not they're not strong enough to do anything of meaning but if um going back to goblins if goblins attacked the village they can at least feel like okay hey this is something i can handle and they can go out and they can go try and do something within their little small world yeah and i would definitely give them the opportunity to do something like that and like you said give them their agency so they could decide if they wanted to do that or they wanted to protect somebody else or they wanted to get out of there Mm -hmm. but i've also been of the of the ilk to go through and level them up not based on encounters or how they took down monsters as well Mm-hmm. But also how they've handled certain situations, or oh yeah, or making their way through something. You mm-hmm. know, even if somebody drops to zero and they don't manage to get through the through the the remainder of the fight, mm-hmm. but the rest of the group is, if they're able to bring that person back up, then I I would level them all up together when it's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so I mean, you're very much a proponent of like the milestone leveling. I am right. I don't think I've ever seen you assign. Hey, you get this many experience points or whatnot. No, I, I don't. I think we have enough math that goes on <laughs> regularly. And I, yeah. I really don't want to impose any more upon myself to, to start writing these things down. But I know like after a certain duration, I know where I want people to be at their next level. Yeah, I think so. I feel the same. And then I don't do the numbers either when I run a game. I don't really say, okay, you've gained X amount of experience for this combat. And then you've gained X amount of experience for this combat. And then it always, because I feel like it pushes, well, not necessarily any of us as players at the, 
uh, on the podcast or any of the players that I have currently, there are there's that group of people that do get pushed to sort of go into encounters because that's the only way they can get experience, which is kind of like defeats the purpose of what this game is. Well, you know, years ago, back in the, the basic uh-huh. uh, edition and first edition, they I'm, I don't know if they did it in second edition, but they would award experience points for gold. Really? Yeah. For treasure you found. Interesting. Yeah, so like if you found enough gold, you could level up. <laughs> and I, I've always thought that was kind of like... That was also, that's also very weird. Yeah. It also um, pushes you to do very particular things and I guess well, that pushes be, rogues to be a little bit over the top in what they're going to try and Well, at the time steal. they were thieves. They yeah, were, they th- yeah, even more so, right? Yeah. They, and, I mean, back then you'd had the thief was stealing from people in the party, you know, other fellow players. Right. They, so they it was roll like... The, yeah, roll to see if they could get away with pickpocketing one of their own group members and stuff. But So it was like... Gold that you earn personally, right? So if you took someone else's gold, you would basically get experience. Yeah, and peop- and uh, <laughs> characters would level up at, at different intervals as well. Yeah. I mean, they had different tiers for oh, their yes. experience points. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think I know I think I know what you're talking about. Like, a uh, fighter who requires maybe like 300, and then maybe ranger requires 400 or something like that. Right. But yeah, that, that's how they would award their experience points. But I've always just viewed it as like knowing when I structured a homebrewed campaign where I would want somebody to be at the next level to, you know, like, okay, we're at third level now. I know that once they complete this portion of, you know, going through from point A to point B, no matter how many encounters they come across, they will still be at that level until they reach the end of that point. And then they will level up because I don't want them to, to feel... Like they're just putting on a big letter S every time, you know, because they're just, oh, okay, we did two, two combats here. Now I can level up or I'm, now I'm level 10, I'm level 11. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I like to keep the, the power creep to a minimum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so people could actually grow into the shoes of their, of their characters. I mean, it's also much better for like building this sort of proper arc, right? For your story where they're constantly growing into bigger challenges and you can really control the pace of that much better if you're doing milestone as opposed to saying this amount of vxp or that amount of vxp i mean you could do a lot of math and try and get it through there but i think it works much better when you're doing milestone yeah and i think that that some dms they'll just tell the the player themselves okay at you know at the end of the session this is how many experience points you got for this and and how much you over there got for this and let them compile their experience points together and then they could determine whether or not they have enough to make it to the next level. Oh, really? But then that, 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 that offsets the rest of the group too. Yeah. You know, because if somebody drops in combat, they may not get that experience point. Yeah, yeah. Or if you still, if you steal a kill from somebody, you uh-huh. know, who gets the experience points for mm-hmm. something like that? Wait, really? So kill stealing used to matter? I think it would. Oh, yeah? I think back in the day it would. I yeah. mean... But it all it all depended on the DM too. I mean, people have been house ruling D and D for decades, literally. I mean, yeah, yeah. Even though there were times that we would use experience points to level up, mm-hmm. majority of the time it was just after a dungeon or whatever, you would go up to the next level. Mm. I mean, that's also a pretty interesting thing that you brought up in regards to people leveling at different times and having their own EXP calculated. Because I've seen a few 
few systems that are designed entirely around you getting EXP at your own pace. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dungeon World, uh, but Dungeon World's like this sort of D&D-like kind of game system, and you lo- you gain experience every time you fail a check. So if you... Hmm. So every time Does you... Does that increase your ability to pass it the next time, though? Uh... Eventually, it could if you keep leveling up that stat that you used. Oh, okay. So it's um, it's uh, you, but it really pushes you to try things, uh, that you may not be good at. So it's like, oh, I'm really bad at talking to people and using persuasion, but I'm gonna keep doing it because I want experience. And then you really pushes the party to doing really interesting, uh, and sort of off the cuff things just because. Hey, I'm not very good at this. Maybe I'm going to try it anyway, and if I succeed, it'll be great. And if I fail, I get some experience. Well, that sounds like something we could uh, research. Definitely <laughs> uh, find some way of intertwining that within our own home games or whatnot. I mean, I think that's what inspiration is put in the game for. Sort of like trying things that probably don't have a huge chance of success, but it's very in keen to your character, uh, and it's sort of builds good uh good stories and so that's like i think that's fifth edition's way of rewarding players for doing that well i think that's that'll definitely be a good topic you know <laughs> to touch on later on is inspiration yeah. and how it affects games and whatnot well everybody this is just our opinion um <laughs> we encourage everybody to please write in or contact us and let us know what everybody thinks about this particular topic. I know we're, we're far from professionals at this. We're just two guys that are having a great time playing this game. You could get in touch with us at roll the hard 20 podcast at gmail.com or visit the website at roll the hard 20 podcast.com. Once again, this is rolling for 20 and this is Brian and Kush saying good night. <laughs>